How many of y'all feeling the effects of the time change this morning? Oh, I am. I heard on the radio they said that uh, takes about a week for your body to get used to just that one hour change. And I'm thinking, man, I want it to last a week. Apparently there may be some that uh, forgot to change their clock. So uh, if anybody comes walking in here in about 30, 45 minutes, don't laugh at them. Just... Uh, just love on them, make them feel welcome, and just act like everything's okay. The title of the message this morning is Bruised Reeds and Smoldering Wicks, which comes from a verse in Isaiah 42. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. The book of Isaiah contains some of the strongest and clearest prophecies of Jesus. Isaiah was telling everyone not just that a Savior was coming, but also what he was bringing with him, what, would, what we would have for those who uh, believed in him. And so now that he has come, for those of us who do believe, for those of us who are in Christ, we can look back and read books like Isaiah to discover some of the things that we have in Christ now. Um, when I first got an iPhone, I didn't really know what all it was capable of. All I basically knew how to do on a cell phone was call, text, and check email. And if that's all I continued to, to plan on doing, then it would have been a waste of money to get an iPhone. I mean, I could have continued to do that on the simple flip phone that I had. But I heard a lot about this phone and all the different things that it can do. And so when I got it, I got the little book that came with it, and I began reading, and I discovered so many things that I had no idea that a phone could do. Well, I believe that that's the way that we should approach anything that we read in the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And so when we read it from that perspective, with, with that in mind, um, we get to find out some of the things that we have in Jesus now. And a lot of times we'll discover things that we had no idea, things that we didn't even realize that we had in him. So let's do that with Isaiah 42 and learn a little more about what it means for us to be in Jesus. So let's all stand together, read from Isaiah 42, starting in verse 1. It's talking about Jesus here, and it says, Behold, my servant, whom, I'm, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the promises that we have here that we read in your word. And God, I, I just believe, Lord, with all my heart that there is some folks here this morning whom you have been looking forward to for a long time to this day. Lord, that there is a message that you have given me that is intended specifically for certain ones. Lord, I know that it's for all of us, and we all can use it, and it can speak to all of us. But, Lord, there is some who this is going to hit in a special way, and I thank you for that. God, I just thank you for the privilege of just being your messenger, of just delivering something that you have for someone. God, I pray that I'd be able to decrease enough to where... All we see is you. All we hear is you. And that we are changed by Jesus. We just want you glorified in here. In your name we pray. Amen. 
I just love some of the metaphors that God uses in His Word. A lot of times He'll use imagery and descriptive phrases that perfectly conveys something that we all can relate to. Here, he uses the metaphor of a bruised reed and a dimly burning or smoldering wick. There are other words that he could have just as easily used here, but they wouldn't have had near the impact that these metaphors do. I mean, instead of saying bruised reed, he could have just said someone who's sad or depressed or hurt in some way or disheartened. For a dimly burning wick, he could have said someone who is apathetic or someone who has lost their zeal. But those words severely limit the impact of what this really means. Those words wouldn't have been enough Because he's talking about something more than just being sad. Something more than just being depressed or apathetic. And we all know that there are times that we feel a certain way in life that just one or two words don't do justice. Here in the South, we are good at and we are known for describing things in flowery language. And these these sayings that convey something more than just one or two words can do. For instance, when it's summertime in August, we know that it's not enough to just say it's hot. And so we've got to say something like, it's hotter than a firecracker on the 4th of July. I mean, that conveys something more than just it's hot. There are some people who aren't just nervous. They are like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Uh, That means something more than just Nervous, And so we do things like that. Sometimes it takes something more descriptive to, de- to, to convey a meaning that just one or two words don't do. That's what's going on here in Isaiah 42.3. I mean, it's one thing to describe someone as sad or disheartened or beat down. But sometimes we're not just sad or just disheartened or any of those things. Sometimes we are all of those things. Sometimes there aren't any words at all that adequately describe how we feel. And so sometimes we just need to say something like, I feel like a bruised reed. That conveys something that many people can relate to. And it goes well beyond just sad or depressed or whatever. And some of you are like, really? Well, what exactly is a bruised reed? At my house, if you look at my garage, the front of it there, you'll see that on either side of the front entrance of my garage, there's two small flower beds. And last year, we planted these flowers there that are beautiful. They had these long stems on them, and at the end are these deep blue, beautiful flowers that grow at the top of them. But the problem with these flower beds is that they also serve as the out-of-bounds of the basketball court. <laughs> right now, Braden and Savannah are playing basketball, and so either one of them or both of them or several of us are going to be out there playing basketball, and so it just can't be avoided that these flowers are going to get squashed by the ball or stepped on or trampled in, in some way. Put the picture up there. That, that's them right there. Now, one thing that's missing is the flowers because they got knocked off. I mean, they, they were there earlier, and uh, sometimes they'll pop back up again. But those flowers that you can see grow in, in multiple stems. 
And the, the Hebrew word that is translated here into reed, it can be a reed, a stem, uh, uh, anything, a stalk, something like that. And so if you come over to my house, that's what you're going to see. I mean, one or two of those reeds or stems are going to be sticking straight up like they're supposed to, but the rest of them are either completely broken or they're bruised. And the ones that are bruised, you can see there, they're bent way over, touching the ground. It's no longer standing straight up. It's hanging low where it gets dirty, it gets stepped on, and it's hidden from the full light of the sun. That's an excellent picture of the way that many of us feel at certain times in our life. Probably some of you in here today, you may have come in here feeling low, feeling dirty, or stepped on, or hidden from God's light. It may be sadness or depression, or it could be guilt and shame that's weighing you down from something that you may have done either recently or something that's still from your past that is still haunting and tormenting you. Maybe it's all of the above. A bruised reed can apply to many things, and it may not be something that you can just accurately describe with words at all, but the picture of a flower bent over, hanging low, hurt, that you can relate to. That right there is how you feel. What about a dimly burning wick? Just imagine a a candle on a, a birthday cake or something. That flame is shooting up bright and shiny, and then you go to blow it out. And for a brief moment, that flame is gone, and the smoke comes up, but you see this one tiny spark that is still left on the wick. And you watch it as it just slowly shrinks and eventually disappears. There really isn't a word to describe this person. More than likely, it's someone who at one time in their life, they were so on fire for God. Loved getting into His Word and reading it and studying it and spending time in prayer. And they would pray for anyone, uh, just right there, pray for them right there on the spot. They had no problem telling others about Jesus and looked for opportunities to do so. They just loved worshiping God with other believers. And so they'd look for every time the church doors were going to be open so they could do that. But something happened. And that flame that used to burn so hot now seems to be just a smoldering ember. If any of you can relate to that, it's how you're feeling today. Some of you will know what caused it. It may have been some traumatic event, a wounded heart, a broken relationship. But really, when you go through that, most of the time, it's not something that you can put your finger on and identify as to why. It's just a slow fade that happened over time. And all you know is that the flame that used to burn bright is now just a dimly burning or smoldering wick. 
There's some of you who I'm sure that God put a fire in your heart for life in general and you used to wake up every morning excited about the challenges of a new day. You knew how to set goals and you were successful at achieving them. It just seems like anything that you put your hands to was successful and you were the life of the party that everyone loved to be around. But for some reason, you may or you may not know why that fire has long gone out. And that flame for life is nothing now but a smoldering wick. So what happens to bruised reeds and smoldering wicks? Well, it's sad to say, but more times than not, they seem to, seem to end up getting broken and extinguished. Not by God, but by this world by other people, and by religion. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And just like a lion on the hunt, he'll go for the easiest one within reach, the weak, the tired, the wounded, and he'll do everything he can to influence others in order to break bruised reeds and extinguish smoldering wicks. I don't know why it is exactly other than our own insecurities that make us want to make ourselves look better than everyone else. But we sure are good at kicking others when they're down. And when I say we, I'm talking about people in general, not necessarily the church, although... The church does a pretty good job of devouring their own just as well. What is a bruised reed that ends up being broken? What, what does that look like? Well, it can be many things. A girl may have been a bruised reed because of a rough home life. So she latches on to the first guy that pays her any attention and wants to marry him because that's her escape from the pain that she's endured for so long, only to end up broken because she discovers that she latched onto some jerk that makes her feel even more worthless than she did before. There are many ways that fires shrink to sparks and eventually get extinguished. Being involved in sports, especially with my kids, I've watched parents just absolutely douse any spark that was left in their own children. It's those parents who live vicariously through their own kids and attach their identity solely to the success or failure of their child out there on the ball field. And any mistake that kid makes, they take as a personal assault on their own identity. And so they constantly coach, criticize, and pressure. I've watched firsthand a kid coming out to play baseball for the first time, and he's so excited to be there at that first practice. But then we get started, and Dad is on the sideline, constantly critiquing and berating them, and you can just watch that flame quickly begin to shrink. And if Dad keeps it up much longer, that flame is eventually going to be extinguished for good. 
I'm sure some of you have seen it just as much as I have when a parent flies off the handle because of some mistake that their kid made out on the, the ball field or the court, and they sit there and verbally undress them right there in front of everyone. And you can just see it in their eyes and the look on their face, that flame just quickly going down. They just extinguished it right there in front of everyone. As cruel as that may sound, I'm here to tell you right now that religious folks can be even more cruel and more dangerous. Because of that, going to church on Sundays for many people, they feel just as much pressure to perform as that kid does on the ball field in front of his dad. It blows my mind that so many church people over the years we have communicated or made others feel that if you go to church you better act like you've got it all together because if you don't have it all together you're going to be out of place and if you don't perform or conform to the way everyone thinks you ought to, then someone's going to make sure that you suffer the consequences for that. So you'll be judged, you'll be criticized, you'll be rejected. Telling you folks, there's more than enough of that that people can get in the world. The last place we need it is the church. Truth is, the church should be the safe place that we go to where they, we know that there's no pressure to perform or conform to anything that some man's expectation of us. It should be the one place that we go where we know that it's actually okay to not be okay. We're loved no matter what, not judged. And the reason why is because we all recognize that every single one of us are broken and in need of mending. Every single one of us are sick and in need of healing. Every single one of us in here are weak and in need of strength. And so to put on some mask and try to pretend or make it look like you're not any of those things is just an absolute lie. And it does nobody any good. The church should be the best place in the world for bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. Unfortunately and tragically, it has often been the place where they end up broken and extinguished. And I know there are some of you here today that you've had that happen to you. You've been so hurt, rejected, and disillusioned by the church, it's a miracle you're even here today. And if that's you, Jesus wants you to know how grieved he was over that. That someone would use his name to inflict so much damage. He wants you to know that that was not him. And he wants to heal your hurt. 
and restore your trust. What religion can do to people reminds me of the story that I heard Matt Chandler tell one time. I'm sure some of you probably have too. I believe I've shared it before, but it bears repeating. At the time he was at this conference, religious conference or, or something that was for these college-age students. There was this older man up there speaking to all these college kids on the sin of sexual immorality telling them how important it was to maintain sexual purity. And he started off by pulling out this beautiful, fresh rose. And he pointed out how pretty it was, how bright the colors were, how fresh and beautiful this thing was. And he said, now I want you to do something. I'm going to give it to the first person in the front row, and I want you all to pass it around to each other while I'm talking And I want you to touch it. I want you to feel it. I want you to just get to know that rose really well. Feel the texture of it and how sharp the thorns are and everything. Every one of you just pass it around to the next person. And so while they were doing that, he goes into this talk on sexual immorality. Just just, It seems like he was trying to pour out as much guilt and condemnation as he could on these young people. And then at the end of the talk, he goes, okay, where's my rose? Where's my rose? Somebody in the back holds it up and brings it down to him. And he holds it up in front of everyone else, and now it doesn't look anything like it did when he had it before. Now, because everyone else have had their hands all over it, it's wilted, it's lost its color, it's lost a lot of its petals. It's just ugly now. It looks horrible. And he used that as an illustration of how when a girl gives herself to so many boys, that's what happens to her. And so he held up this ugly, wilted rose, and he ended his talk by going, who would want that? And dropped it on the ground and walked off. Thinking he was doing some great thing for God, what that guy actually did was bruise a bunch of reeds. Or he probably bruised them during his talk and then broke them with that little stunt. Matt Chandler said his blood was just boiling and he was so mad and wanted so bad to stand up in the middle of that auditorium and shout, Jesus does. Jesus wants the rose. And he does. He died for it. Because the world and people and religion can be so good at breaking bruised reeds and snuffing out smoldering wicks, many people just assume that God's going to be the same way. And why should they expect anything else if that's all they experienced their whole life? And I'm sure some of you here today, you just assume that God is so mad at you, so disappointed in you, and you're just bracing yourself for the scolding and condemnation that you know is bound to come. And so you walk in here feeling uncomfortable and out of place, holding your head down because you think that you're the only one in here who doesn't have it all together. And if there's anyone in here today or anyone listening on the internet or on the podcast right now and you can identify with either a bruised reed 
or a smoldering wick, I'm telling you that there is a reason for you to hold your head up. There is good news for you today. Isaiah 42.3 says, A bruised reed he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. It doesn't say that he will not if you get your stuff together. If you follow all these rules. Or if you sacrifice something to God first. No, it very simply and very clearly says he will not do it with no conditions attached to it. Jesus demonstrated this attitude towards bruised reeds and smoldering wicks when he was here on earth. The religious leaders brought a woman to him caught in the very act of adultery. They brought to him a badly bruised reed and they were just chomping at the bit to completely break her, literally, with rocks that they were holding in their hands. What does Jesus do? With his infinite words of wisdom, he essentially holds up a mirror in front of their face. And being so uncomfortable with what they see in the mirror, they all one by one begin to drop their rocks and turn to leave. And Jesus looks down at the woman and with the love in his voice that she had probably never heard in a man's voice before, he asks her, where are your accusers? They're gone. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. A bruised reed he will not break. Peter, one of the three disciples, was closer to Jesus than the rest, denied knowing him three times. And so not only was Peter weighed down and bent over by the guilt and shame of what he had done, but that flame inside his heart that once burned bright was just about gone. In John chapter 27, he announces to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. I don't believe that was just some casual statement that he was making. I truly believe that he was saying, I'm giving up and going back to what I used to do before I met Jesus. I'm going back to the life that I, that I knew. Before all this, that is now gone. It's all over. He could no longer feel the burn in his heart that he had just days before. He was a smoldering wick on the verge of completely burning out. But at just the right time, Jesus appears on the shore. And he calls out to him. And that tiny spark that was still left suddenly began to get a little warmer. And realizing it was Jesus calling to him, he dives into the water and swims towards him. Now, if Jesus had been like any one of us, he probably would have scolded Peter, made him feel even worse said something like, Peter, how could you have done that? How could you? When I was in my darkest hour, you were denying knowing me? 
Really, Peter? You know how wrong that was? Do you know how hurtful that was to me? But he doesn't even bring it up. Well, he does, but not like that. He brings it up in only the way that Jesus can. And he asks Peter, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, do you love me? Redeeming all three of those denials. Not only that, but then he gives him the most important and honorable assignment that he could have given any of those disciples. He says to him, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. He entrusts him with those he had just paid a very high price for. Jesus saw that tiny ember in Peter's heart that was just about gone. And he turns it into a raging inferno that then starts the wildfire called the church. A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. I've had many times in my own Christian life where I've smelt like, smelt like, felt like, Probably smelt like a smoldering wick a time or two, too. <laughs> but I felt that flame go out. Seemed like it's out. It's just barely a smoldering coal there. And so I know how discouraged we can get when that happens. But don't let that get you down. I'm telling you right now, God's not going to allow it to completely go out. And He's going to fan that flame again. Wait on the Lord. And if you think about it, there's really not much distance between a small spark and a raging inferno. All it takes is a touch. If that little spark touches the right thing, it can instantly burst into an inferno. So there's not much distance between a spark and a raging fire, but there is an infinite distance between a small spark and no spark at all. John Piper said, A mustard seed of faith is infinitely closer to being a mountain than it is to being no seed at all. So here's what we're going to do. This morning, I really believe that the Lord wants to encourage and strengthen, heal, and ignite bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. And so if you can relate to either one of those two things, I want you to do something. I'm going to pray, and the praise team's going to lead us in worship again. And during that time, if that's you, and you know that God gave me this message this morning for you, I want you to come down here and let somebody pray with you. 
either one of the leaders that will be down here and their spouses on the front rows, or maybe you just need to get one-on-one with God. There are two specific things that God did for a reason today. Number one, he gave me this message to give on this day. And then on this day, he also made sure that you were here to hear it. It's not by chance. It's not by coincidence. That's because he sees you. He hears you. He knows you. He loves you. And so if he's reaching out to you, please respond to him. Let's pray. Lord, your love is amazing. I just thank you for revealing that compassionate part of your character to us this morning. I thank you for reminding us that you are for us and not against us. Thank you for reminding us that you have not left us you are constantly there cheering us on. So Lord, I pray for those in here that are bruised. That you would heal. That you would lift up once again. That you would let them feel the light of your love shining on them. Lord, I pray for the smoldering wicks. you would begin to allow their hearts to glow warm once again. Begin fanning that small coal that still has light, hasn't gone out completely. Lord, would you let the wind of your spirit blow on that. Make it hotter. and Grow it into a flame once again. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can do this in us. So we're submitting ourselves to you and asking you to have your way. Lord, thank you for meeting with us in here this morning. Thank you for doing for us what we don't deserve. You're so good and we love you. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.